0: And so that we are thankful this morning. So we are coming back to our uh, series called The 5G Life. I am a true Christ follower. Uh, and last week we, uh, we started this series off. And we wanted you to, to see that we're, we're, we're getting serious about discipleship here at our church. We love um, the command for us to go and make disciples. Uh, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 verses 3 to 6. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. And so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. That's a section of scripture we're going to be looking today. And again, we're we're studying to understand what it means to be a true Christ follower. We're interested in true discipleship. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a long way to go in my discipleship. I have a long way to go when it comes to being a true Christ follower. And I embrace this opportunity over the next couple of months to sit at the Lord's feet and to learn from him regarding what it means to be a christ follower well, how about you is this a passion is this the passion of your life to be a christ follower that's what we're called to do that's how we're called to live we are followers of christ and christ alone the church is called to make disciples of all nations and we're taking this time here to make sure we know what a disciple is and what a disciple looks like so we began last week and we started with this this first uh, uh, bit of theology regarding Christ following, and that was in three different relationships. And the first relationship that we see is abide. This is how we relate to God. Now, today we're going to be looking at connecting, right, how we relate to one another. And then we're going to be looking at sharing, how we relate to the world. You can see this laid out. This is where we're going over the next uh, month and a half. So we started with abide. And then we're going to be looking at the theology of connect. Next week, we're going to be looking at the theology of, of sharing, how we, how we relate to the world. And then beyond that, we're going to be looking specifically how we apply this to our lives. So God time is our abiding time. And then this connect time is split up into the gather time. That's what we're doing here this morning, but also our small group ministry with one another. And then we're going to be looking at giving time and going time. Okay? So that's going to be for the next month and a half. half. I pray that you're excited for that. But this week, we're going to be looking on connecting, how we relate to each other. So let's begin by asking ourselves a couple of questions here this morning. What is your overall attitude when it comes to the church? What does your heart do when you think about the church? Is this something that you can take or leave? Is this something to do, something good to do when your schedule allows, when it fits or when something else more pressing isn't in the way? Have you come to know the beautiful sweetness and necessity of being together as the church, being with God's people? Do you love God's church? Jesus died for his church, for his bride. Do you love the church? Do you love it so much that you can't stand to be a part from the church. Remember we were looking at Acts 2.42-47. to 47. Uh, The people in the first church. The first church that existed in the New Testament. They couldn't get enough of God. And they couldn't get enough of each other. Do you love the church? Is that you today? Well today God wants to press into our hearts. That this Christian life is not a solo mission. Right? It's not for lone rangers. This uh, true Christ following is Vitally connected to the church body you were never meant or designed to live this Christian life alone you were designed to connect to the church and You cannot fulfill God's will for your life without being connected to his church It's impossible And so we turn today to Paul's letter to the Romans the little section we just read now let's praise so that the Lord will be speaking to us through his word today. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this letter to the Romans. We thank you for the Apostle Paul. Him writing with full apostolic authority, speaking for you and speaking to your people. And 2,000 years later, we stand here, we open up this word and you're speaking directly to us. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us through your holy word. We pray that you would use this to guide us today. That you would encourage us, convict us, mold us. That you would speak to our hearts. And that you would teach us about what it means to connect as the church and how vital this is in our life. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your spirit. And we ask you to speak to us today through your word. We pray this in Christ's name. All right, so some of the context leading up to this is always helpful. Uh, A good rule of thumb for studying Scripture is read in context. Don't Don't pull pieces of Scripture out of context. Always know where you are in the Word. So we see the Apostle Paul, he wrote this letter to the Romans back in AD 57. And he wrote this while he was in the city of Corinth. And this is while he was on his third missionary journey. And he was writing to the Roman church to express his desire to come and to see them and visit them and to seek their partnership in his desire to be a missionary to Spain. But he also writes this to address some issues of tension between the Jews and the Gentiles in this early Roman church. So in the first 11 chapters of this letter, Paul, he's arguing that all humanity, regardless of pedigree, regardless of race, regardless of any kind of amount of good works, stands hopelessly, sinfully, destined for God's wrath, apart from God's righteousness. Ultimately, salvation, he says, is open to all mankind based upon repentance and faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's the truth that we hold on to. And then in chapter 12, Paul begins to lay out how true disciples are to respond to such a glorious gospel. So you see the, the first uh, three quarters of this book, the Romans, is theology. It's rich theology. Justification by faith alone, through Christ alone. And then how do we respond to that, right? It's good to know our theology, but our hearts have to respond. And so we see in, in chapter 12, this is starting, starting, this is how you apply this, okay? And so we see the first steps in connecting to the church is to connect humbly, connect humbly, rightly viewing yourself and your giftings with humility. Let's have a look at the first verse there in verse three. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So in verses uh, 1 to 2, before this, we just see that Paul calls disciples to rightly respond, and now he's saying we need to respond with humility. Christian living is a life of humility, and especially as we gather together as the church, we need to approach this humbly, so the first thing we see here regarding this relationship of disciples to each other is that true discipleship must connect humbly. And Paul here, he's speaking from a place of authority, apostolic authority. For by the grace given to me, he says, remember Paul himself, he was an apostle. He was specially indwelt by the Holy Spirit to write scripture. And he commands everyone among the Roman church, and by extension, you and me, to be careful not to boast in ourselves, not to boast in any kind of perceived superiority, but rather to think with sober judgment, meaning rational thinking, right thinking, realistic thinking, ultimately humble thinking. According to the measure of faith that God has given to you, God has equipped you. And Paul just laid this out back in chapter 11, verse 36, just previous to this. God Himself, Christ, has equipped you. And He did it all for Him. He said everything is from Him and through Him and for Him. That's why we exist. We exist for Jesus Christ. Everything we have is from him, and everything that happens here for the good of God is through him. We really bring nothing to the table. And why are we so prone sometimes to not be humble? So let me ask you this question. Why is it so hard to humble yourself? Why is it so hard to humble yourself? And why is it so easy to get on our high horse? Right? It's so easy to get there. That's our bench. That's where we lean. This is something that you and I have to fight in the strength of the Holy Spirit for the rest of our lives. Pride. Pride has always been with us. It's man's greatest sin. Let's look back to the fall, right? Genesis 3. Remember the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden? Satan tempted them. They believed his lies because their hearts wanted to hear that. And we sinned because we wanted to go our own way. Right? We want to go our own way. And we thought that our ways were best. We thought that our thoughts are superior. We wanted to be God. And that's why we fell. It was cosmic treason. And we chose to go our own way. Further back than that, you know, that wasn't the original sin. There is an original sin, and that falls back to Satan and his angels. And the main problem, again, was pride, right? Listen to this from Isaiah, chapter 14, verses 12 to 15. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. Satan himself wanted to be God. And we're prone to that. The truth is that pride is satanic to the core. And we're all bent towards this. And in our context for this sermon today, pride kills community. Pride kills community. And I would argue some of the loneliest people on this planet Are those who are prone to pride those who live there who exist there and so paul knowing our hearts knowing his own heart knowing the sinfulness of humanity and this prone to pride he calls us to think soberly about ourselves to lower our opinions of ourselves if we want to be godly if we want to be following christ to be true christ followers if we want to have lasting relationships, if you want to connect faithfully to the church, then you must connect humbly. You must connect humbly. So as you and I endeavor to pursue this life together, this Christian walk, this connected community, we need to be so generous with one another. As Philippians 2, 3-5 says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in what? In Christ Jesus. Right. We're not humble on our own. We can't be humble on our own. Right. Christ is our supreme example of humility, and we can only be humble when we are wrapped up in him, existing and abiding in him. So we must connect humbly. And humility goes a long way toward building a strong and healthy body of Christ. Now the flip side of this in the church is to think too lowly of yourself, right? Sometimes you can think too lowly of yourself. You may say things like, I'll never be able to do that. Right? I'll never be able to stand and share the gospel with somebody on the street. Right? I'll never be able to counsel that hard situation. I'll never be able to lead a small group. I'm not skilled enough. I don't have what it takes. I'm not gifted. I don't know enough about the Bible. So I'll just keep to myself, and I'm going to let others do it. Now, you may think that this stepping back is, is a humble move, but it really is not a humble move. Yes, there's lots of growing that happens in the Christian life, a lot of equipping. We're called to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Yes, there is growing, but God has given you his spirit. So this may reveal that you might have a faulty view of what the Lord has done for you. Okay. Now, remember, Paul just said to regard ourselves according to what according to the measure of faith that god has assigned so if you're a christian you've been given a measure of faith you've been empowered and indwelt and gifted by the holy spirit that's not just something we say but if you are a christian the holy spirit really resides in you he does so don't undersell yourself And don't undersell the spirit. Charles Spurgeon said this. It is not humility to underrate yourself. Humility is to think of yourself as God thinks of you. It is to feel that if we have talents, God has given them to us. And let it be seen that like freight in a vessel, they tend to sink us low the more we have the lower we ought to lie so you see both sides here he's saying right don't undersell yourself and then the more gifting you have let that humble you all the more you need to see yourself as god sees you and the more faith you have the more humble you ought to be and so this first step in being a true christ follower is to connect humbly so connect Be be leery of your pride, and be humble. So as much as we we must not overestimate or underestimate ourselves, what I must also do as a a Christ follower is to understand next that I must connect uniquely. I must connect uniquely. See that in verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So to help us understand how God designed this church to function, Paul compares the church to the human body. A human body is made up of many unique parts with many diverse functions, and Paul uses this metaphor to describe the church. He does this all over scripture. Uh, we look at 1 Corinthians 12, he does this, and in Galatians 3, and also in Ephesians 4. And so as the human body has so many different unique functions, so the church is made up of many different types of unique people. And we're all gifted in different ways. And it's according to the measure of faith that God has given us. We do many different unique functions in the church. We're experiencing that as a a church plant, right? We need a lot of different people to do different things. And as I look around here, I see a lot of unique people. Right? Some more unique than, than others. 1 Corinthians twelve twelve. Paul enraps us a little more where he says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. God knows what he's doing, right? He always knows what he's doing. And so then we see that God himself, he is the author of the church. He uniquely gifts and arranges each one of us in perfect harmony with one another. We're all unique We all have unique functions. We have different natural abilities, right? We have strengths and weaknesses that we share. We have different spiritual giftings, different personalities. Hands up for all the introverts here, right? (laughs) All right, and all the extroverts. All right. We're all different, right? But God uses us in, in our personalities. A healthy, functioning church body is made up of unique and diverse members, The point is this, is that you are uniquely designed by God to fit perfectly into this body. Yeah, church is messy, right? Church is messy. But it's a beautiful mess sometimes, right? Um, God is in control. He never leaves. He never forsakes his church. And yes, it's not perfect. We're not in heaven yet. So take this to heart. Don't wish you were somebody else. Yes, you, you can grow. Yes, you can train. But like you said, an ear wanting to be an eye or a foot wanting to be a head. Don't wish you were somebody else. Do exactly what God is calling you to do and gifted you to do. You are unique. God will use you right now, right? You don't have to wait. There's no special time for God to use you. right? He's equipped you fully with the Spirit, right? We have all the treasures in Christ. He'll use you right now, just as you are in all your uniqueness. We can't all do the same function. We were never meant to. And if we try to, it would be a train wreck. Okay? So do you believe that? I want to test that out. I'm going to ask my two boys to come up here. We've got a couple tests here to run. All right? Okay. Let's grab a grab that water bottle there. You look enthused to be up here, Spence. All right, so put it on the ground. Yeah, stand in front of it. Now, I want you to drink that bottle of water just using your feet. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, you can't do Sit. Take a seat. (laughs) You stay up here, all right? All right. Okay, so what I want you to do is, where's Josh's guitar? Okay, go by Josh's guitar. Don't touch it. Now I want you just to use your hair and I want you to play just as I am on that guitar. Just go for it. Yeah. Right? There's just there's of course you can't do it. You can take a seat Right? There's there's unique functions of the body, right? You have to use those unique functions for what God has called you to do it. Right? So work on those things because maybe you can get it done. God knows exactly what he's doing. Let's just reflect on Isaiah 55, verse 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts this is all in god's hands embrace your uniqueness and god is going to use you exactly where you are i love that god has gathered such a unique and diverse set of people to our church plant here in harvest south it reveals his awesome power to save all kinds of people and to use them for his purposes and so embrace that and trust that the Lord is going to use you so a true Christ follower must connect uniquely so we must connect humbly like we said then we must connect uniquely and then this third point Paul makes is that we must connect collectively we must connect collectively verses 5 to 6 so we though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. Now, this point is so very important. Even though you and I are uniquely equipped, we're not created to do this Christian life alone. The truth is that you need the church. This is not an option. You need the church. As Paul was writing to this young Roman church, it was made up of Jews and Gentiles. And they were struggling to connect with one another. And there was a tendency for these people to segregate and to isolate. And for centuries, they were, they were doing just so. right? They did not mix well together. It was like oil and water. The Jews were the holy people. The Gentile were the outcast. And some of this past got caught up in this present reality, the reality of the New Testament church. And so they were tempted to remain apart rather than to join together. And so Paul had to remind them that they are one body and members of one another. And the re- revelation of Jesus Christ blows away all walls of separation and calls unique and different people together connect collectively. So we must reject our tendency to isolate ourselves. And we need to embrace the necessity to congregate, right? We need to embrace this, love this. You and I are one body in Christ. And that one body is the church. And remember, the church is not a building. The church is A people right now it's not yeah there's a universal church right we're gathered across this globe as a universal church but scripture points us to a local body of believers we can't take it or leave it it's a necessity in our lives you and I are one body in Christ that one body is the church the very definition of the of the word church From the greek word ecclesia means to assemble it's an assembly tell me how can you assemble if you're not gathering how can you assemble on your own you can't assemble you can't be the church it's the logical the church needs you and you need the church no question absolutely no question paul says that we're members of one another remember this body Metaphor We're we're all tied together. We all work together in harmony So this should remind us that in the church We need to practice this living with one another We have this amazing privilege to do life together Right. This has been since day one. This is the privilege of the Christian to do life together to love one another Yeah, it's not perfect But we get this awesome privilege. The church needs you, and you need the church. So when we think about that, we see this word here, one another. That should remind us of the one another's of Scripture. So here's a list of some of the things you're going to miss out when you don't gather together, right? You can't love one another if you aren't together. You can't you can't show that brotherly affection, that love that we have, if you're not coming together. You're missing out on that, right? You can't be devoted to one another if you're not together, right? Devoted is committed. And especially as, as a small church plant, we need to be devoted all the more. And so if you're not here, if, you, if you're not making it here, um, and that, it's not just Sunday morning. it's It's being a part of the body during the week and everything else. We need to be devoted to one another. If you're not gathering, you, you just can't be devoted to one another. How about this? Live in harmony with one another. Instruct one another, right? We're called to equip the saints for the work of ministry, and so we must gather, we must sit under godly teaching from God's Word. How can we serve one another if we're not gathering together as well? Serving together is such a joy, and serving one another is a blessing for the Lord. How can we be kind and compassionate to one another? if we're not gathering together how about admonishing one another that's one thing we do in our small groups right we gather together we take god's word that we learned on sunday and in our lives we apply it to each other's life we start to get to know each other and see each other's sin god has given us each other to rub shoulders together to rub off the edges to admonish one another to help one another grow in holiness spur one another on towards love and good deeds we can't do that if we're not gathering together either how do we encourage one another if we're not gathering I love this we love to gather together and sing speak to one another with songs and hymns and spiritual songs and this is just is are kind of the big ones or is it more but you cannot do you cannot do the one another's if you're not gathering together I need and you need to connect collectively with God's people this is God's design we need each other I want to show you this picture this is a picture of some weaver ants you want to see a picture of, of having to exist together so they're building a bridge from this leaf to the next and this is just a small example you should see like there's creeks and rivers They will chain themselves together to get across the river and to gather food. Now, one of these guys on his own cannot survive. They need each other. So use that as a picture example for yourself and the church, that if you're not in the chain, if you're not with the people, you can't practice one another's, and you need each other to grow. How can we practice the one another's in isolation? Cannot. Sue needs somebody else over here to help her with something. Landon needs somebody else to help him in his life, right? And, uh, and Tim and Alina need guidance for raising a new child, right? We all need help. We all need to be pointed to Scripture. We need one another. And so we, as a very young church plant, we we need to we need to get this right. We need to start right when it comes to to connecting, right? We need to start this off with passion and and not let this get away from us because we will be prone to let this get away from us even if we're starting to get bigger with more people, right? There's a tendency sometimes to isolate. We need to be watchful of our tendency to pull back from the body of Christ. I want to share with you some some common thoughts, some, some common lies or whatever that we're believing which might keep us in isolation, keep us from connecting. The first one is this, I'm too busy. We've never lived in a more busier society than we do right now, where we have all kinds of smartphones and gadgets to try to make life life easier and quicker. But it's not, right? Life is getting all the more hectic. How much of our busyness is self-inflicted? Right? Work? Yes, we have to work. School? Yeah, school's a necessity. They all take time. Trying to get ahead in this life. Programs and sports, lessons, social events and entertainment. Yeah, life is busy, right? It is busy. But are we making the time for the church? Are we too busy because it's self-inflicted busyness? And I would say that why don't we try this as we go month to month in the coming months. Let's have a look at that month, and let's pray over that month and say, Lord, how can I carve time out of this month for your glory? Right. Instead of just reacting, right? I'm going to do all these things, and they're just going to come, and then I'm going to find space for the church. Let's be looking forward and proactively seeking the Lord. How can I serve you on this second week in this coming month, whatever it may be? Why am I choosing to put things before the church and and you know when it comes to work just quite honestly we, we, we choose to work and uh, we have to work yes um, but there is a tendency sometimes to work too much to, to just say yes I'll, I'll do it um, and, and, and to a place where it's most important do you think it would be anything uh, less of sacrificial to maybe even look for a different job that would make you more available To be available for God's church, for his bride. I don't think it is. Uh, I have a brother in in Fort St. John, and he drives to Grand Prairie, which is two and a half hours away, to find a faithful church that he wants to be a part of, right? He makes that drive. And this is a guy with a crazy busy life. So I'm too busy is one of those lies that we often tell ourselves. How about this? I'm exhausted. I'm probably exhausted because I'm so busy, right? Our life is so full of things, and and something has to give. These other things are essential, but the church is obligational, right? There's one person who loves to to whisper in our ear that, you know what, I'm just too tired. I just can't make it. I'm, I'm just too tired. I'm not just talking about coming to church. I'm talking about connecting with the Lord's people. This next one, I'm struggling Life is too hard to be with people right now. I'm struggling personally, maybe physically, and I need to deal with this on my own before I can come back to the people. The last thing I need to do right now is to go serve somebody. I need to serve myself and my own needs. Don't believe that. If you're struggling, you need to run to the cross and run to God's people. We are always here with arms open wide for for you. And then this last one. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Now that sounds high and holy. And it's it's true. But sometimes we can say Jesus is enough. And I don't need his church. right? I don't need his church. I've got Jesus. I've got my Bible. I've got an endless resource of good Bible teaching on the radio and the internet. I've got a live stream to watch. I don't need to be connecting with people. This is all I need. Don't believe that lie. You need God's people. Christ died for his bride. He saved you not to just save you from yourself. He saved you to the church. This life is not a solo mission, right? The Christian life is to connect with God's people, his bride. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near there is a day coming christ is coming there's an urgency to our call right don't believe the lie that it's all about here right he's coming he's given us only so much time to do his work and to be with his people We've been given this urgent task of making disciples. So the church needs you. You need the church. A true Christ Christ follower must connect collectively. Now there's a lot more in this text as we move on about giftings, and we're going to get to that another day. Um, We're also going to talk about connecting as a group and as a larger gathering. That's going to be coming in December. But these are three things we need to be mindful of this week and applying to our hearts You cannot fulfill God's will for your life without being connected to his church. So the three things, I must connect humbly. I must connect uniquely. I must connect collectively. And this is all made possible by the gospel of Jesus Christ and is useless apart from his indwelling spirit. If you're not a believer today, we call you to embrace the lord jesus christ believe upon him for salvation turn from your sinful ways and trust in him and he will indwell you by his spirit he will equip you for his kingdom and you can connect to his church if you are a believer today you still need the gospel right gospel's not just about entrance into the kingdom you need it every day you need to remind yourself that it is only Christ working through me.